Lou gets shot in the throat, but will always be remembered for eating 50 eggs in an hour. This is spoilers. What we've got here is... You communicate. What, what would you say you do here? Chew bubblegum and kick ass. Loki, just lay down. Loki's just gonna knock you down again, buddy. I don't want to frighten him. Stay down. Somebody ought to... Stop this thing. Howard, he's dead. I can eat 50 eggs. Nobody can eat 50 eggs. I dare you, I dare you, I double dare you. He did what? I think that just about does it. He's not done yet. Every man has his breaking point. <clears throat> How, in the name of Zeus's butthole, did you get out of yourself? I will find you. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir! Yeah, well... Sometimes nothing can be a real cool hand. This is Spoilers! Hey! Hey there. Welcome to Spoilers, a podcast that is a failure to communicate. Today we spoil the 1967 classic film, Cool Hand Luke. I'm Pappy in Minneapolis, R.I.P. Prince, and today I'm joined by four other panelists who I will introduce themselves. Please say who you are, where you're recording from, and how many eggs you think you could eat in an hour if you had to. Uh, we'll start with Vince the intern. Vince? Woohoo! This is Vinny V, the intern out here in Denver, Colorado. Mile high city. Um, how many eggs could I eat? I probably could shove down about 20 hard boiled. I, I was thinking about it. Uh, I would not feel good. 50, no way. Uh, Stevie, go ahead. I'm uh, Stevie. Uh, I'm recording from uh, Mishawaka, Indiana. And uh, I could, I don't know, I'd, that's a lot of eggs to chow down. I, I, I don't know, 10 to 15 eggs maybe on a good day. That's it? Just 10 eggs? Gosh, Are they hard-boiled I... or like full eggs? I mean, I don't like eggs that much. All right, mm. now you just sound like a crazy person. All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have a new guest with us today, uh, Mike in Minneapolis. Mike. Mike D. Hey, Mike D. I'm in Minneapolis. Um God, I don't know, maybe 15 eggs at most. That's just, even hard-boiled, that's just, fuck, that would be, 50 is no way. I don't even know if hard-boiled is the best strategy to pound eggs. I think scrambled or over-easy. in a blender? Or, yeah. or even like Rocky. Like, doo-doo. Rocky style, yeah. Yeah, why not? Just go raw? Quickest. Yeah, raw dog. <laughs> and that leaves us with Mike, <laughs> Mikey Tor. Money Mike, the original. Uh, I'm from Elkhart, and uh, I think I could... Eat 10 scrambled and probably 15 hard-boiled, but that would be, that'd be tough. Good Lord, we challenge. have some weak egg eaters here. Um, I, I don't think you threw out how many you eat. <laughs> I could do 50, dude. No, I could do 60. <laughs> you also <laughs> no drink two gallons of milk a day, so. That brings us to the summary of today's movie. Uh, today's synopsis is mostly lifted from Wikipedia, uh, but we're spoiling Cool Hand Luke. Uh Decorated cool hand runnings. Cool hand runnings. <laughs> Almost as good as that movie. Classic. Decorated World War II veteran Lucas Luke Jackson, played by the legendary Paul Newman, is arrested for cutting the heads off parking meters one drunken night. He is sentenced to two years in prison and is sent to a Florida chain gang. The camp is run by a stern warden called Captain, played by Strother Martin, a Kokomo, Indiana native, and a stoic rifleman, wow. walking boss Godfrey whose eyes are always covered by a pair of mirrored sunglasses. And he was played by Morgan Woodward. Not always. 
but yeah, true. <laughs> There's a scene where they pop off, but you don't see his eyes. Sorry. Carr, played by Clifton James, the floor worker, welcomes the incoming prisoners with a set of rules. Violations of these resulting in spending a night in the box, a small squared room with limited air filtration, uh, separate from the main bunker of the prisoners. Uh, Luke is a nonconformist and refuses to observe the established gang pecking order amongst the prisoners and quickly runs afoul with the leader Dragline, played by George Kennedy. Uh, the pair have a boxing match, uh, and the prisoners and the guards watch with interest. Luke gets his ass handed to him, uh, but that night he wins a poker game by bluffing on a hand of nothing. This earns him his nickname, Cool Hand, and the friendship of the prison leader Dragline. Around the middle of the movie, Luke gets a visitor. It's his dying mother, Arletta, played by Joe Van Fleet. And Luke then proceeds to have a series of adventures that involve eating eggs and fast paving roads and catching critters that make the other prisoners start to idolize him. One day during a rainstorm, Luke shouts to God, testing him and questioning his existence. Later that evening, Luke receives a letter saying that his mother is dead. Luke goes to his bed and plays Rainbow Bit Connection by Kermit the Frog on his banjo. Sadly. <laughs> if uh, only. Yeah. Captain, an- <laughs> Captain anticipates that Luke may escape so he can attend his mother's funeral and decides to lock him in the box for three days. After being released after three days, he receives word that his mother's burial is completed and is told to forget about her. Uh, there he is near the end of his sentence and that Luke is now determined to escape. His first breakout attempt uh, during a 4th of July party ultimately fails when he is tracked down by a pack of bloodhounds. A short time later, Luke escapes again, using a string to shake a bush while he's supposed to be going to the bathroom, uh, visits a nearby house, and Tom Sawyer's two kids into removing his shackles for him. Uh, This time, the plan goes a lot better. Uh, Luke even has a chance to send a picture back to the boys of him with two beautiful women. However, Luke is ultimately returned to the camp and broken down by the guards. Uh, Luke takes one last stab at freedom when he is ordered to take a dead turtle back to the truck. He steals the truck, as well as the keys to the other vehicles. In the excitement of the moment, Dragline jumps on the truck and decides to join Luke in his escape. Uh, They abandon the truck, and Luke tells Dragline that it's probably best if they part part ways. Drag agrees. Luke enters a church, where he talks to God and blames him for sabotaging his life. Moments later, police cars arrive and surround the church. Dragline enters the church and tells Luke that the police and bosses have promised not to hurt him if he surrenders peacefully. But at this point... Luke doesn't think life's worth living, walks to the window, and delivers the famous line from earlier in the movie, what we have here is a failure to communicate. He is immediately shot in the neck by Godfrey, and in tears, Dragline implores him to live. The, cap- the captain tells police to take Luke to a prison hospital, which is a long enough distance away that the chances of survival are slim. After Luke's implied death, Drag and the other prisoners reminisce about him. In the final scene, the prison crew is working near a rural intersection close to where Luke was shot. Dragline is, is now wearing the leg irons, and there is a new walking boss. As the camera zooms out, the touring photograph of Luke grinning with the two women is superimposed over a bird's-eye view of the cross-shaped road junction. Uh, the movie was directed by Stuart Rosenberg, uh, who in his career directed five, Os- five actors to Oscar-nominated performances, including two in this film. It was produced by Gordon Carroll, who also produced the Alien movies. Uh, this film was based on the 1965 novel Cool Hand Luke, written by Don Pierce. The screenplay was by the aforementioned Don Pierce and Frank Pearson. Different spelling, uh, Frank Pearson also wrote the screenplay for Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, the movie is rated PG-13, and Cool Hand Luke had a budget of $3 million. 
It was released on November 1st, 1967, and went on to make $16.2 million in North America. Uh, the film was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Actor Paul Newman, who, ro- who lost to Roger Steiger in one of Stevie's favorite films, The Heat of the Night. Best or- one of the best. Uh, nominated for Best Original Score, and George Kennedy won Best Supporting Actor for his portrayal of Dragline. Today, the movie has an 8.2 on IMDb, a 95% audience score on RT with a 100% critic score. In 2003, AFI named Luke the 30th greatest movie hero of all time, and what we have here is a failure to communicate as the 11th greatest movie line of all time. So I'm going to open it up to your guys' thoughts now. Uh, when I was watching this movie, I kept thinking of how often there were references to this film that I didn't even realize at the time. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Shawshank Redemption, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, um, all that elements that really remind me of this. Uh, so we'll open it up with Stevie in Mishawaka. Stevie, what'd you think of the movie? I really liked it. Um, I thought it was a pretty cool story, and Paul Newman's a really, really good actor. and just seems like, an, I mean, the character himself was a pretty cool guy. Um, I really, really enjoyed the camera work they used. Uh, I thought it was a little bit ahead of its time, especially that it, it wasn't all stationary shots. Uh, there was a lot of handheld involved. And, um, yeah, I thought it, overall it was a really good movie. Mike D, you, love it. you uh, you know, I kind of went back and forth. Like I really, I, I really enjoyed the movie. I can see why it's seen as kind of a, a classic. Um, I, I love Paul Newman in it and, uh, George Kennedy as dragline, but overall I kind of, I just wavered back and forth. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. And we might get into this later, but the, uh, I thought the, the Christian overtones, like the, not that that's a bad thing. That's totally fine. But they were a little, little heavy-handed. I thought, um, kind of a, a little bit on the nose when he's laying on the table. Oh yeah, <laughs> with his feet crossed. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, doesn't yeah. get more obvious than that. Right. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it would have been nice if there was a little more subtlety to it. But no, I, it, it was a good movie overall. I just kind of some found myself kind of wavering on it. What I what I thought of it before I finished the movie. So Mike E, what do you think? Uh, I agree with what Mike said. It was a little too on the nose with the Christian Jesus references. Uh, I mean, the egg-eating scene in particular was, like, kind of disgusting. And then <laughs> then he's just laying there on the table, like, so obvious that he was trying to be like Jesus. I don't know. It was too on the nose for me. But it was a good, it was a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. Vince the Intern, what do you think? Well, I keep hearing Mike D, and I just got to throw it out there. I fucking love the Beastie Boys, and so when I hear Mike D, that's the first thing I think of. Uh, for our, our longtime listeners, the first CD I ever owned was Licensed to Ill, um, but love the Beastie Boys. I'm going to give them a little plug right there. What did I think of the movie? Fucking loved it. Uh, it's about time we reviewed, spoiled, and talked about a movie worth watching. Um, we've watched some shit, uh, no offense to the people that have picked those movies, but actually take some offense, uh, look into yourself, and pick some better movies, and pick some better movies. Uh, anyways, no, I am so ecstatic to talk about this movie. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic piece of American um, film. It almost felt like uh, just kind of Americana, in, in a sense, almost as nostalgic as a, a Western. Um, just kind of brings you into that uh, uh, time period, and you really are living during it. Um, I have never, ever seen this movie prior to this, uh, but I've seen so many references um, and heard so many things about it. So that was the intro. We got our initial reactions to the movie. Um, A lot of people had some comments about the religious content, 
of the movie. Uh, so what all did you guys pick up and where did you pick up the uh, Jesus-y vibes? I had the, uh, so Luke's prisoner number was 37. That was supposed to be a reference to uh, the Bible. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Um, did you guys have any other, I guess, references to the Bible or, or parallels between Paul's character and uh, Jesus? Yeah, Drew, like you said in the kind of the synopsis that at the very end there, that last shot with the photo of him, you know, superimposed over the highway kind of also looks like, you know, the the depiction of Jesus on the cross. So that's specifically one I can think of, but it was just a lot of elements were kind of seen. Speaking of Jesus on the cross, uh, that's that's a look Dennis Reynolds is really going for. He's really going for that <laughs> Jesus on the cross. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, but I just thought it was kind of, it was it was a little preachy. I think just kind of seeing seeing Luke as a little bit like the, you know the, the sacrificial lamb, if you will. Um, but you know it, it's fine. It, I just thought it it was kind of like we've mentioned a little on the nose. Him spending three days in the box and then coming out, and also kind of in the way that the uh, remaining prisoners sort of talk about him and are sitting around by that cross-shaped road, I thought was was fairly interesting. Um, I'm looking at the Eucharist. Uh, So when he comes out of the box and his stomach is shrunk from three days of not eating, he gets this big old plate of rice. And uh, he sits down at the table and he's, he's just weak as hell. Like, you know, if you don't eat for three days and sit in a outhouse shaped box uh kind of for <laughs> what 72 straight hours you're not gonna um or is that 48 hours i don't know math someone else will math that for us um but uh you know he couldn't really eat and so like one prisoner digs in and takes his rice and then they all start taking his rice and, and that's supposed to be like the uh take take and eat this is my body like communal aspect of the lord's last supper but that didn't make any sense to me because he was already spending every night in the box and then uh that one weirdo character, what was his name, like Dog Boy or, yeah, Anthony Zebby as the Dog Boy uh, <laughs> said, said that uh, if he didn't finish all of his rice, he'd have to spend the night in the box, but he was kind of just fucked either way. Like, he didn't really have a choice. Yeah. No, and I think that was so uh, him poking a joke, because, you know, cool, cool hand Luke, he was uh, kind of the guy that, you know, even if you made a joke and he wasn't necessarily thinking it was funny, you know, he kind of smirk it off and make his own joke out of it. Uh, you know, he was that guy that everyone was looking up to, kind of like that older brother, that older, cool upperclassman, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that was kind of more so a joke, but I could be wrong there. Um, that was kind of my take on that. It's like, uh, you don't eat it all, you're going to go back to the box. But I, I don't think that was technically a prison rule, but maybe it was. <laughs> so uh, I guess to move away from the uh, Christianity aspect, uh, Mike Tord, or Mike T., did you have any favorite scenes from this movie? I know you didn't like the egg one, but <laughs> uh, no, the egg, egg scene was pretty pretty funny. But uh, my favorite scene was uh, I liked the very the very first scene was pretty cool to me. I liked uh, when he was just getting shit faced and cutting off the tops <laughs> of parking meters. Also, I gotta ask, why was he cutting off the tops of parking meters? Was he trying to get the quarters inside? I believe that was the crime. Is that a thing? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I think he was just kind of being like, fuck everybody. Just, like, he was just, just kind of like, you're one. Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty just much. Just being yeah. a vandal. I think, I think okay. it sprang from a previous incident. So did he have, like, PTSD? Because I kind of got the feeling that he was, like, 
really kind of at the end of his rope. And like, there's also the scene where they're talking about that he. Do you guys remember this? He went into the army as a private. He was a lieutenant. And advanced to lieutenant, but left as a buck private, meaning that he probably has this pattern of anti-establishment, yeah, anti-authoritarian, yeah, tendencies. Maybe, I mean, maybe PST, PTSD, but um, that is a real condition. I think it's worse and worse for, you know, um, anybody in the uh, armed forces right now. So I'm going to go back, and I think the, the greatest generation, you know, th these people that fought in World War II, I think it was more so... Um, him being that kind of person, being Fonda in uh, Easy Rider or w whatever you want. Well, I think it was just more so of the 60s were a times are a change in kind of, kind of period of time. I mean, you're switching out of the 50s of a lot of like, you know, just uh, gentrification and uh, building out neighborhoods and suburbanization. Um, but I, I think there was a lot of pushback be between, you know, people from uh, – 15 years old up to 35, 40 years old of not really wanting to conform to the American life and kind of just being an outlaw or, or, or whatnot. So I, I picked up on that kind of aspect more so than a PTSD or uh, um, kind of like he just didn't give a shit about anything really. Yeah. Um, which I, it goes back to when I earlier said he had a quote that I've never planned a thing in my life. And I, I think that just goes back to like the 60s mindset. I mean, this came out 67. I mean, well, summer of love. Yeah. 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 It kind of it kind of yeah. reminded me of Rebel Without a Cause. He just that's it's yeah. it's just in him to not give a shit and not I don't know if it necessarily sprang from anything. It would have been a little interesting to get a little more background on, you know, get a little more a little bit more of a reveal into his past, you know, what if something made him that way or if that's that's just who he is, but I kind of tend to think that's just his mindset fun fact speaking of the greatest generation uh paul newman who's actually one of my personal heroes and i i think is one of the greatest actors ever to live um love him so much why don't you marry him i would if he wasn't <laughs> dead i have a, have a fridge full of his uh salad dressing uh, but he was a uh, rear gunner and aerial uh radio man in the u.s navy uh wanted to be a fighter pilot but was colorblind so got shut down there but veteran um haven't heard a lot from Stevie. Stevie, did you have a favorite scene of the movie? Um, let me see here. I think probably my favorite scene is when he's at the church at the end, and he kind of realizes, you know, this is where it ends. And like in his head, he knew he wasn't going back to the prison. Yeah. So yeah. I think he just kind of wanted, like the whole movie, he had a death wish. Like, yeah. yeah. Even from like. Eating the 50 eggs to getting in a boxing match with Dragline that probably gave him CTE in a matter of five minutes. <laughs> that was a great scene, too. That was, that was hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I just think the whole movie, he had a constant death wish. But I think the realization of, and I think he kind of got in his head, this is where I die. And when he, when he opened up the window and said, uh, what we have here is a failure to communicate. And uh, the guard with no eyes, as they called him, just shot, like... Like just in a matter of instant, just I mean, didn't wait at all, just shot. I think I like that scene probably the most out of any of the scenes in the movie. He was a sniper, yeah. And and is that is the guard not like a one for one of the cop in O Brother Where Art Thou? Like that is a clear, heavy-handed reference, right? Remember him? The, the yeah, uh, that's not one of my favorite movies though, so I don't like. It's Beside not. Drew uh, mentioning that you know Paul Newman's one of your favorite actors. Um, 
I was privy to an interesting debate, or it wasn't really a debate. It was, it was very, the reasoning was very shallow. You're at the right oh, yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shallow reasoning. No, but, uh, <laughs> I was privy to yeah. a, a talk that my my mom and dad had with some of their friends. Um, my dad is a huge Paul Newman fan. My mom, a huge Robert Redford fan. And so okay. the, the question was, okay. Paul Newman or Robert Redford? Ooh. What is and, that, liberal versus conservative? Or? No, 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 not at all. It's... <laughs> All, all the all the men agreed Paul Newman. All oh, the yeah. men agreed Robert Redford. And literally, the reasoning entirely came down to who was who looked better. Who you know who was the more handsome man? At least on the you know as far as the reasoning for liking Robert Redford. I just thought, well, Robert Redford's freaking handsome. Let's oh yeah, that's okay. all yeah. There's no, too. He's a good looking. Yeah, dude. there's no doubt. Yeah, he there. was the great Gatsby. Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna post you guys a picture. I mean, Paul Paul Newman's no chopped liver himself, but yeah. No, 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 for sure, for sure. Keep your pants on, though. Yeah, no, so uh, I, when you talk when you talk uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, you have the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid connection. Um, but yeah. funny enough, those Cassidy. two are actually those two are actually really good friends in real life. And 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 one of the reasons I just want to be like them, especially Paul Newman, so bad is funny story. Uh, I think it was one of the. The cars used in one of the movies uh, Robert Redford sent to Paul Newman's house, uh, one of the movies that he was in. It was a super ugly old car and uh, was definitely sent as a joke. So what Paul Newman did was he molded down the car into like molten metal, shipped a barrel of molten metal to Robert Redford's house and like cracked one of his really nice marble floors with it. So Robert Redford took that molten metal and made it into like the ugliest statue he possibly could, and had it like <laughs> airlifted and dropped onto Paul Newman's property. So like, these are just two badass, awesome '60s iconic alpha males. Who, yeah. I mean, you really can't go wrong either way. But to yeah. me, I would pick Paul Newman. I don't know. Film what you guys legends, think. film legends, yeah. both yeah. of them. Have you get, Have you guys seen The Sting? That's another another crossover. That's probably one of my all time favorite movies. It's a really no, really I've good heard movie. Good things. I've never seen it. Great music from The Sting. Yeah, it's a long movie. <laughs> so uh, no one's mentioned this. No one's mentioned this, and we got to get this out here because we can't spoil this movie without talking about it. But there's a fantastic scene where the chain gang's out, kind of just chopping down grasses on the side of an old highway uh, out in the middle of nowhere. But this chick comes out on a farm. Um, she's wearing nothing but a dress, uh, and she is 1967 flower girl, gorgeous. And I don't think she was in any other movie. Uh, this was like her claim to fame. Uh, but she rocked it. She had some big old tiggle bitties, uh, a nice caboose, uh, a nice figure. And she, she, as the chain gang, you know, a prison chain gang out, like, chopping uh, big high wheat or grass or whatever on the side of the road. Not wheat, but grasses and whatnot. And uh, she comes out with some soapy suds, you know, uh, putting her boobs against the windows and kind of shaking and washing the car and kind of just giving everyone a show. I love the, uh, yeah, I love the dichotomy of you have that scene which is super sexually charged. And then like the very next jump cut is all 50 guys in the shower. Yep. And one of them horsing around too. They're hugging each other a little bit, like horsing. Yeah. I, that's funny. Did you guys notice Dennis Hopper was kind of what they call him? Like the simpleton or the simple minded one. Yeah. 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 Super young Dennis Hopper. Oh yeah. Yeah. An interesting choice. And definitely like an all-star cast. I don't think that the, uh, what's his name who won the Oscar. Tell me out, Stevie. George Kennedy. I don't think he went on to do anything else, did he? This is kind of his one and done. He was uh he was the he's a, he's captain. In, he was the captain in the Naked Gun movies with Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, played a real comedic role there. So it was interesting seeing him play a very 
Well, debatable like whether Dennis it was Hopper's comedic name. or dramatic for him, but I was looking up Dennis Hopper's name and it's Bubba Guts, Bubba Gats, Bubba Great Gatsby. Yep, that's exactly it. So another note that I have here: this didn't like it was a prison camp, but I'm surprised how much fun you're allowed to have at a 1940s prison camp. Like, oh, Saturday boxing matches, beers. I don't know. Yeah, but those might not have been beers because back then Coke came in glass bottles that you open with a bottle opener and kind of stuff. So it could have been some kind of soft drink beverage. Um, but I did. Did we confirm that those are beers? Because they might not have been. I thought they said it was soda. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. It was pop as well. I think it was soda. Soda in the South, pop in the Midwest, soda pop some other places. <laughs> so my my favorite scene, and I don't think we've mentioned this yet, was the uh, when they were working to lay the blacktop road, uh, and then Paul Newman kind of gets the troops fired up, and they end up doing it super fast, and they get like two hours of their day back. Kind of reminded me of Shawshank when they yeah. uh, do the roof or whatever. Is yeah, yeah very uh-huh. much so. Very, a lot of similarities there. And then in uh, fun fact I read on uh, the Internet Movie Database was that the uh, they actually paved a road. Like, that was real. Like, that was real road paving. Hell yeah. Classic and, cinema and getting stuff done. This is great. And then uh, the other fact that, before we go into our, our final thoughts and review that I had from IMDb, was that the uh, those um, parking meters that Paul Newman cut off, whatever city it was in California left those cut off for years as a tribute. So there were like four charge spaces and then three that literally just had the, the head of the parking meter cut off. They could park for free for years and years and years afterwards. And it was those ones that were used in a uh, cool hand Luke. Um, so I guess that brings it. Yeah. It brings us to our last segment or second to last segment. Uh, yes or no. So uh, we have a new panelist, Mike. Uh, when we say yes or no, it's basically, is this movie worth your time? Would okay. you recommend it? Yes or no? Pretty pretty simple. Not a lot of degrees. Um, if we all like it, the movie's pasteurized. Yeah, very binary. If we don't like yeah. it, the movie's spoiled. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with our uh, guest, Mike D. Mike D, yes or no? And, and also any final thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I would say yes, despite some of my you know, criticisms of it earlier, I would say, yes, it's, it's supremely acted pretty well directed. Um, it has some really good cinematography. I thought a lot of the, the scenes where they're, where they're panning into them on the, you know, the chain gang on the road were really interesting. I don't know if you could have called them kind of revolutionary at the time. It almost looked like they were filming some of those from a helicopter as they pan away or pan in, but I I would say yes. Uh, Mikey. Mike E, what do you think? Yeah, I like this movie. Uh, I want to know how they did that last shot of the camera, like, panning away from the chain gang. Like, I was thinking, oh, maybe they got a drone. Oh, wait, that doesn't exist. <laughs> but uh, Probably a crane, an actual crane. It was a pretty good movie. I liked it. Uh, Paul Newman's awesome. That was probably the first Paul Newman movie. Paul Newman movie I've ever watched. I mean, I don't watch a whole lot of old movies, but I enjoyed it. And uh, I'll probably watch a few more later. Yes or no? Yeah, that's a yes. Two yeses. Uh, Vince, the intern. Vinny V, the intern. I would have to give it a yes. I think I praised it a lot earlier in the episode, which you would have caught. Um, failure to communicate. That is a huge, uh, um, not only 
huge kind of uh, uh, theme of this movie, but also of the podcast as well. A huge uh, theme, the podcast uh, as well. Uh, <laughs> but it's also not, not only is it a theme, it was said quite often throughout the movie. I'd be curious how many times. Maybe that's a trivia question. Who knows? Uh, but anyway, um, I think I can relate to that. I think my entire life is a failure to communicate. And anybody that has a close relationship with me would also agree with that. Maybe it's uh, over-communicating as well. Um, but uh, I, I definitely drew <laughs> close to that. Uh, it was close to the heart, failure to communicate. I just like that. Uh, definitely liked it. Um, absolute yes, fantastic movie. Had so much fun watching it. Um, I look forward to picking more movies like this. Um, these are movies that are actually worth watching. I'm sure that it's in a thousand and one movies to watch before you die. I would think, without a doubt, it's definitely in yep. that book. It is confirmed. Um, so yes, fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you saw it a long time ago, watch it again. Uh, I think right when I was watching it, the first thing I did was text my father and said, Dad, I think you'd really like this movie. Um, so I don't know about you guys, or but it just felt like something that my dad would like uh, that generation um, as well. But I think it's good for uh, today's times. Um, absolute yes. Stevie. Um, yeah, I give it a yes. Uh, I really liked it. Um, I think it had ten times the ending of another movie that came out in 1967, which was uh, The Graduate. I absolutely can't. You hate that movie. I'm a I absolutely can't. It's the worst ending, like one of the it's worst good. endings in filmed history. That's fiction. Um, but uh, yeah, I really like this movie a lot. Um, Paul Newman was cool. I don't think it has a very high rewatch uh, rewatchability for me, um, but I'm happy I saw it just because it's an iconic film. And uh, yeah, it was cool. So I give it a yes. Uh, and that brings it to me. Um, it's funny that Vince mentioned that it's in the book A Thousand and One Movies You Must See Before You Die. Uh, that's actually where I got the idea to watch it. Uh, I think it's honestly one of my favorite movies I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, the uh, Christianity themes were a little bit heavy-handed, um, but I think it's interesting to say, okay, if Paul Newman was supposed to be Jesus, what does this say about Christianity? What's the big picture point? Um, a lot of iconic scenes, like I said, that are that are parodied a million times. Um, I think the taking it off here, boss. There's a whole episode of Family Guy. I think Peter Handluke uh, that <laughs> yeah. parodies this. There's uh, references in just about every every major uh, you know sitcom will have at some point a reference to this. Uh, great film, PG-13 rating, appropriate for all ages. Uh, big hard yes for me for sure. A must a must see movie. Must see. Um, that is. Five out of five. That's five out of five. That's the most yeses we ever have. So that makes this a pasteurized film. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Woo yeah. Uh, so for today's trivia question, so how this works is uh, whoever gets it the most right, whoever lasts the longest, whoever wins, uh, gets to pick the movie for next week. I have a sneaking suspicion of what that movie will be, regardless of who wins. Um, but today's trivia question it revolves around the AFI Top 100 Movie Lines of All Time. Uh, I'm going to be super generous, uh, but we'll go around the, uh, around the group. If you name a line that's in the Top 100, you're still in. If you miss, it's, you're out. I'll be super generous if you get like the crux of the line right. That's fine. Uh, and one more caveat. If you can name the line perfectly, the character name and the actor name, and the film, I'll throw that in the two, and the film, you automatically win. So AFI Top 100 Movie Lines of All Time. Uh, the order will be, we'll go Mike D first, Mike Tor, Vince, Stevie, repeat. 
Nice. Cool. That's got it. Knock, right. Knockout form, then. Knockout format, yep. So I'm looking at, you're going to have to give me a second. I'll have to, like, curate this. The AFI Don't Cheat Top 100 Movie Quotes of All Time, June 21st, 2005. Mike D. Up to date. <laughs> um, okay. No <laughs> idea. Old, no idea what the characters' names are, the movie or anything. But badges. We don't need no stinking badges. Badges. We ain't got no stinking badges. That's Gold Hat from uh, the Treasure of Sierra Madre, nineteen forty-eight. Correct. Number thirty-six. Uh, Mike T. Wait. What? What's the question here? Apologize. Oh, you just gotta get close to a quote that's on this top 100 quotes of all time. Well, he just did. Yeah. Are we so going for number one? No, 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 no. no, no. We're, yeah. If you miss, you're out. We'll keep uh, going, Ron Robbins style. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So, Mike T. Uh, you already have badges. Yep. We're gonna need a bigger boat. Nice. Jaws. Dad, sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> Character. <laughs> I don't know his name. Uh, uh, yeah, number 35, Martin Brody, Ooh. uh, from Jaws, 1975. Your face, Mike, in your face. Actually, yeah, 35, 36, <laughs> yeah, back to back. How about that? Uh, Vince. Quote, Rosebud, period, unquote. Rosebud is number 17, Charles Foster Kane, played by Orson Welles from Citizen Kane, 1941. I think he could have nailed... All of the characters there. Yeah. That could have been yeah, a walk-off. So. Oh, wait. If I would have done that, I would have got it? It's a walk-off. If you can name... Oh, I uh, knew it! Damn it! All right. Oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, character, actor. Yeah. All right. Uh, Stevie. Um, man, I'm going to go on a limb here. It looks like we're not in Kansas anymore. Uh... Yep. Number four. Toto, I've got a feeling we're not in Hold Kansas on. anymore. Uh... Hey, hey, hey. I was going to... No, right. Steve, you're way too oh, late. Nope, too late. <laughs> Dorothy yeah, Gale, played by Judy Garland, Wizard of Oz, number four. You've got to say it all You gotta say it all at once if you know. Yeah, I was waiting for you to see if it was correct or not. Then I was going to go. Oh, oh, okay. no, 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 in a string, in a string. Oh, we uh, all got two rounds, so now we know. Back to the top of the order, uh, Mike D. All right, so what? what's the full criteria for knocking it out of the park? Uh, just get, uh, A walk-off is if you can get the quote exactly right, the character name. <laughs> And did I say film, too? Was that the other one? Yeah. yeah. And film. Yeah. Okay. The quote, I'll be back by the yeah. Terminator <laughs> T-1000 in the movie The Terminator. It's over! Nice. <laughs> no, it's not. He didn't say who said it, but he knows. Uh, it's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that's it. Number 37, The <laughs> Terminator, 1984. <sighs> I knew Orson Welles. Damn it. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I misinterpreted the ruse. <laughs> uh, so quickly, top ten. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Nice. Gonna make an offer I can't refuse. You don't nice. understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. Uh, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore. Here's looking at you, kid. Go ahead and make my day. All right, Mr. DeMille. I'm ready for my close-up. Uh, may the force be with you. Fashion your seatbelts. I'm going to be a bumpy night. And you talking to me. Uh, Robert De Niro, taxi driver, nice. running over the top Nice. Seven. Yep. So, uh, with that walk-off win, Mike D, what movie will the spoilers be spoiling next week? Uh, I'll go with another one of my all-time favorites with Alien, the original. Alien. Ooh. Very cool. 
Does Captain America come out next week or is that in two weeks? That's two weeks. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, hey, green, just, green Room comes out this week. 20, I'm just going to burn a $20 bill and then say I saw Captain America. <laughs> do, you guys have, do you guys have your tickets to Cap yet? I got them. No, no, not yet, but no. Alien. Alien 1, right? Yep. Nice. Alien versus Predator 1. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> well, all right. That's about, uh, that's about it. Um, so signing off from Minneapolis, I'm Pappy. This Anybody is Vinny B. <laughs> yeah, this is Vinny B in uh, the Mile High City signing off. Uh, this is Stevie from Mishawaka, and this was a fun episode. I had fun. I'm Mikey from Elkhart. Bye. <laughs> and Mike D from Minneapolis as well. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening. As always, thank you to Josh Hensley of the Rutabaga for composing our theme song. Please take a minute to review us on iTunes.